Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essay speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. We would also like to inform you of an upcoming Sexaholics Anonymous Internet Marathon. Around the World in 24 Hours will take place starting at noon Universal Time on November 29th and will end promptly at noon Universal Time on November the 30th. It's free to register online at www.sim.sexaholicsanonymous.eu. Thank you very much, and without further ado, welcome to The Daily Reprieve. I am recording now, and uh, first thing I wanted to talk about, or first I got to say I'm really nervous, which is kind of weird for me. If you guys know me, I'm not typically a nervous person. I love to talk. I used to be a preacher uh, back in the day, so getting up in front of crowds was kind of uh, just, it, it was gave me a shot in the arm, and today it actually brings fear. I actually could not sleep last night. I was tossing and turning all night. And I was trying not to think about what I want to talk about. I was just going to let God speak. But, uh, you know, I can't help myself. I just want to plan this thing. But there's something that's been just going over and over in my life for the last um, five or six weeks. And I just want to talk about the last five or six weeks of my life. And uh, I came in early and wrote that up on the board. So happy, surprise, anger, sad, fear, disgust. Anybody know what those are? I mean, right? Core emotions. And um, what do you, the one thing, anybody notice anything about the core emotions that are there? More negative and positive. And and that's in my head. (laughs) If you look at it, happy's in green, everything else is in red, because that's the way I see it in my head. That's the story I tell myself every day, all day long. And um, this all started about five or six weeks ago when my wife called me in the middle of the day. And she said, Preston, we need to have a talk. And when my wife says, Preston, we need to have a talk, the first thing that happens is the story in my head is, oh, crap. And that's not what I said, by the way. It was a lot worse. (laughs) Oh, crap. What did I do now? What am I in trouble for? What's going on? So I sat there, and I mean, this feeling was in my gut of just complete fear. What's fixing to happen? And I said, okay, we'll talk this afternoon. And I hung up the phone. And then I called my wife back about 10 minutes later because I couldn't work. And I asked, I said, can I ask you what we have to talk about tonight? <laughs> and, and she goes, oh, sure. I just want to talk about a, emotional, a, emotional connection. I'm like, well, I, I think that's good, but that was way worse than I could ever imagine. Emotional connection. Oh, my God. I don't know anything about that, right? And then she said, and I want to understand what sobriety means for you. And that was the oh shit moment, you know, right there. Um, because, because I keep, I keep my recovery kind of like I kept my disease. It's, it's, my wife's not in recovery. She doesn't want any part of it. So for me, 
and, and for my wife, we kind of have still two separate lives. She knows I'm here today, but she doesn't really ask any questions, doesn't want to know. You fix yourself and our marriage will get better. And uh, that's the way that way we've lived. So the rest of that day, I'm living in fear. <laughs> you know, some surprise. I'm, I mean, I'm just in emotional turmoil. I sat down with my wife and I, and I, and, and she gets home at like five o'clock and she does this thing. She has cats. She loves cats. And she starts feeding the cats. And I mean, I'm just like a little kid. I can't wait to talk to her. I want to get this over with. And as soon as she's finished feeding the cats, I'm like, come on, let's have a talk. And my wife goes, right now? I'm like, yeah, right now. She goes, you must have been worried about this. I'm like, yes, I've been worried about it all day long. So we sit down and, and we start to talk. And, and, and the first thing, I called my sponsor before we had this, this call. And my sponsor said, well, the first thing you probably want to do is understand what emotional connection is, right? And uh, so that's the first question I ask. I mean, I just didn't even wait. I was like sitting down on the bed and I'm like, what does emotional, what does emotional connection mean to you? And my wife is like, huh, I don't know. I'm like, great, I don't either. All right. <laughs> so I'm sitting here, and we have this really good discussion for a little while, trying to figure out what each one of our definitions is about emotional connection. And for me, I've never understood or had any emotional connection with anybody. It's always been about sex. From the time I was five years old to the time I'm 44 now, it's always been about sex. And so I don't know what that means. I don't know what it is. But guess what? All of a sudden now, I have a mission. And uh, I have this mission. I'm going to figure out what this is. Then the next question was about sobriety. And, and uh, I kind of stumbled and fumbled through that. My wife didn't like some of my answers, but that's okay. We got through it. Next morning, I woke up. The very first thing I did was I sat down and I opened up my tablet here. I've got it right here. And I started doing research, which is what I do. And I called my therapist. I did those two things. So I scheduled a meeting with my therapist. I started doing research. And the first thing that came to mind was, well, I wonder what AA says about emotions, right? And so right here, I'm going to pull it up. AA, 1958. Most of you guys know this guy named Bill W. He wrote an article in the grapevine, and or he actually wrote a letter, and it was about his depression. But it was about emotional sobriety, the next frontier. And I'm like, I'm there. It's the next frontier. That's where I'm at, right? So he says here, the development of much more real maturity and balance, which is to say humility, in our relations with ourselves, with our fellows, and with God. Those adolescent urges that so many of us have for top approval, perfect security, and perfect romance, urges quite appropriate at age 17, prove to be an impossible way of life when we are age 47 or 57. I'm like, oh crap, I'm 44. I don't know what to do here. And then, uh, you know, he goes on to say, since AA began, I've taken immense wallops in all of these areas because of my failure to grow up emotionally and spiritually. My God, how painful it is to keep demanding the impossible. And when I read that, my heart sank. I'm like, Bill Wilson, the guy that started this movement after 30 years of sobriety, is still immature. What am I going to do? I'm screwed, you know? And then let's fast forward to two weeks later, and I'm talking to my therapist in his office, and I ask him about emotional intimacy, and my heart sank again because he goes, I don't know. All you have to do is do it. When I'm like, how do I get there? He's like, just do it. I'm like, what does that even mean? 
And I said, well, I'm a researcher. I'm By trade, I'm an engineer. I like to find problems, fix them, move on. And so I'm still trying to figure out this emotional thing. And uh, in the meantime, I'd done a little work around that, uh, trying to figure out what this emotional secure, what emotional intimacy is all about. And uh, my, my, my therapist said, well, here's two or three books I found on Amazon. Check them out. Get back to me. Tell me which one resonates with you. I'm like, crap, you know. Now I'm figuring it out. Well, that's what I do. And so I started reading. First book I read, I'm like, that's crap. I'm not reading it. Next one, that's crap. The third one actually made some sense. The first thing it said in the first chapter was, I have to get in touch with my own emotions. I have to be able to deal with my own emotions. I have to understand my own emotions. Well, that that sounds a lot like step work to me. And I called my sponsor, and he said the same thing. He says, well, it doesn't sound like you can get connected with your wife till you connect with yourself. And I'm walking through my neighborhood, and I'm like, crap, here it is, you know. And, uh, you know, and then slowly over the last few weeks, what's been happening, I don't know how long I am on time, so I just keep talking until somebody shuts me up. But, <laughs> but um, I started listening to things on podcasts, and I started other podcasts, other uh motivational speakers and you know Tony Robbins one of my favorite ones if you ever listen to Tony Robbins I thought he was all about motivating people he's not he's really about your emotions and he said something he said emotions are the force of life that's what Tony Robbins said that clicked and he starts talking about people like you know Al Gore he he lost an election he had no emotions in his speech you know but He's an, he's an emotional person, but he had no emotion behind it. And that kind of got me thinking back to my journey in SA, where I started here. Of course, I started in 2001, and I've been in and out of these rooms for so long, but it was about, a, uh, so six, 18 months happened for me last week. And I got to thinking back, what was different this go-around for me? Why has sobriety started to stick? And it's because of people... He's sitting right here, Harvey. When you hear Harvey speak, you hear emotion. You hear what's behind his recovery. You don't just hear, oh, I did this step, and I did this step, and I did this step. He connects with it. He makes it real. So when I started in this this journey, I the whole reason the podcast, Daily Reprieve, is here today is because I couldn't get enough of Harvey and Jess and Roy and... Steve S. and all these other speakers and the way I had to get them, I was on the road all the time and it was no easy way to digest them. So I started this podcast. For me, it was a selfish thing. And then I started sharing with others. And all of a sudden, now I get emotional. I get excited about it, right? It brings me life. And then I start looking at my emotions on a step level. Step 10 my sponsor, I call him all the time. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm whatever it is. And he says, "Well, sounds like you need to do a tenth on that, right?" So I was sitting there yesterday afternoon. I promised him I was going to do a tenth step on, on some fear I had around some things going on with me and my wife. And I started writing it out. And it all comes down to one thing: I'm afraid because I don't want to be rejected like when I was a kid. Now, I'm looking at the past. How do I change the future, right? How do I change my story? 
you know, okay, I need to move past the fear and have a conversation with my wife. I'm scared of having sex with you. This coming from a sex addict, scared of sex. But I'm scared because that means I have to open up. I have to be intimate. I have to be real. I have to be connected with you. I can no longer just close my eyes and fantasize about another person. And that scares me to death. Thank you. That scares me to death. And so for today, I'm starting to slowly get break through that, right? And how do I do that? It's these steps. It's doing that 10th step and then doing a six, seven, five, six, seven, eight on it, right? You know, pray to have my character defects taken care of, share it with another human being. My wife is on that list. I'm making amends to her, and I try to just continue to do it. And then I'm going to end with a story. What really kicked all this this conversation off was my best friend in this program. He and I went canoeing or kayaking about six weeks ago, right before my wife and I's conversation about emotional intimacy. We're kayaking down the river, and he is an he's agnostic, atheist at best. And the thing that he said, we're, he said, I'm looking for spirituality today. I'm like, great, let's look for spirituality. We're going, we're kayaking, and he sees these black birds up on a limb, and he says, oh, what is that? And I said, I think it's crows. No, that's buzzards. And he goes, oh, and the buzzards fly off, and we're watching them catch thermals and spiral up in the air, and I'm thinking, man, that's, that's pretty cool, but just nasty old buzzards, you know? And my friend looks at that and goes, hmm, Nature's created this beautiful way for it to clean up its own messes. It's a buzzard. And I grew up around buzzards. They killed our livestock. You know, they were a nuisance. My dad wanted to get rid of them. He'd always shoot at them. And here, this guy, my best friend now, is saying, they're wonderful creatures. And then it just dawns on me, and he says that about the same time it dawns on me, if God can create these ugly vultures that can clean up the biggest messes in nature, the rotten, stinking, nasty messes, who am I to think that God can't clean up my messes? And he's doing that slowly in my recovery, slowly with these steps and with my wife. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I was afraid when I came up here, and I'm not anymore. I love having a safe place to come and share all this. And... Uh, just share my story, experience, strength, and hope. And, you know, it's not easy. It's work, um, but it's fun. Scary and fun all at the same time. So, anyways, thank you for letting me share. Thank you.